Okay, reading from 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And here we have the Apostle John continues to write, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God, and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your kindness, your compassion for us. Thank you that you demonstrated your love toward us, that while we were sinners, Christ died on the cross to bring us to you, Father, so we can be here this morning and worship you in spirit and truth. Help us, Father, to come with hearts that are clean, that are pure, that are upright and blameless. But we also thank you, Father, that we're able to confess our sins. Your word says here in this letter, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we just thank you that we are washed clean in the precious blood of your Son and that we're able to ask you forgiveness when we sin. But help us, Father, to not stray towards practicing sin because those that practice sin will not inherit eternal life. Help us, Father, please. Be merciful and be gracious to us. But thank you for John. Thank you how you worked a great work in his heart that he could pen such a beautiful letter. Rebuke us, correct us, teach us and train us in righteousness. So, Father, please, again, I pray, be merciful to us. Help us to listen. He has ears, listen. So, Father, please, help each one of us here this morning to listen and help me to be clear and faithful. Thank you again that I've been challenged by this letter and challenged by the Apostle John and the work of the Holy Spirit working in him and through him into my own heart. So, help me now, Father, to be faithful and clear, to be understood. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the question really is, as Christians, who are we listening to as we go about living in this fallen world? Who are we listening to as we walk with God in this fallen world? Or like someone said, I love this, what this person says, who's got your ear? I know when the children are naughty, they surely get an ear pulled sometimes. But who's got your ear in the fallen world? Is it a man that teaches the truth? Or is it a man that teaches error? Because it's so important that you listen to the truth. Because we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. And we have the spirit of truth living in us. And we want to walk in truthfulness. But we thank God that He still uses us through our imperfections. No one's perfect yet. No one's arrived and they know the truth and they do everything by truth. You're a liar if you say that. We need to keep our eyes and our ears in the Scriptures so that we can listen to God 
And hopefully he's the one that influences our Christian life. I just think of, of children today, teenagers, especially you teenagers. You guys have cell phones. And you, you get a question and then you go to the cell phone and you Google and you want to look up an answer. Hopefully you guys are listening to the right voice to give you the answers. And hopefully, teenagers, when your parents tell you to do something, you're listening to their voice and not your friend's voice that can lead you astray. But adults, what about us Christians? I just have to think of COVID. Who did we listen to? A lot of times we were gullible. A lot of times we were naive. What about the vaccination? How can someone say, it's the devil, it's the triple six? Where do they get that from? Or there's a chip in there. Where do they get that from? Who we listen to is so important. For me, I would listen to a Christian doctor because I know he'll speak the truth in love. But there are some doctors that are not saved will also say things truthfully that you can listen to them. But you've got to be careful. Like we say, there are two people out there. There's the person that worships the father of lies, Satan, and there's the person that worships the father of heaven, truth. You need to choose who you're going to listen to. And I think it's important as adults that we listen to God. And if we're not listening to God on this earth as we walk with Him, when God returns, He's going to ask us to give an account of our lives. Hebrews 6.14 is a good reminder if you've been coming to Home Fellowship Group. We've been in Hebrews for some time. But there in in chapter 4, verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And I think 2 Corinthians 5.10 also says something like that. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. We know there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but we have to give an account. What have we done with our righteousness that God has clothed us in through His Son? And if we are practicing sin and we're not listening to God, there's greater consequences in mind, like maybe the loss of eternal life. John, in this passage, all he wants us to do is listen to God and his truth teachers and his people that believe in him and not to the false teachers and the false Christians and the worldly liars. Because we know our world is awash with all kinds of religious teaching out there. And we need to know, are we speaking from God and are we speaking from God's word? I don't want to spend too much time, but if you want to, you can turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 13. Um, the lovely story there of a prophet, and he was asked to, to go to Jeroboam and to confront Jeroboam. And this prophet goes to Jeroboam, that's 1 Kings chapter 13, and in verse 4. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried out against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not draw it back to himself. And the altar was torn, 
down and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Verse 6, and the Lord your God, sorry, verse 6, and the king said to the man of God, entreat now the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored. It's amazing. There you had a king that was about to do something wicked to the man of God. He gave him leprosy. And then the same king asked, ask your God to restore my hand. And God in his grace and mercy and love restores this man who's unworthy, not deserving to have his hand restored. And then the king says, come home with me and refresh yourself and I'll give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, if you give me half your house, I will not go in with you and I will not eat bread or drink water in this place. For so was it commanded by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Wow, today how many pastors, how many evangelists would just love this king to give them everything? This man just says, No, God has told me I'm not peddling his word. And he turns and he goes. But there, in verse 11, now an old prophet lived in Bethel. And his sons came and told him the story about this prophet that was there. And how he turned his back on the king's reward. And, this, and the old prophet says, come, I need to go talk to him. And in verse 16, this old prophet comes to him. And he says to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place for it was said to me by the word of the lord you shall neither eat bread nor drink water there nor return by the way that you came and he said to him i will say i'm a prophet as you are and an angel spoke to me by the word of the lord saying bring him back with you into your house and he may eat bread and drink water but he lied to him this man lied to this man of god one prophet who says this old prophet is lying to this man of God. So he went back with him and he ate bread in his house and drank water. He should have stopped. He should have tested to see if that man was speaking the truth. He could have asked God, God, I know your word. You've told me I may not return. He could have asked. He could have prayed to God. Or he should have just said, I haven't heard anything from God yet. Therefore, I will not listen to this man. This old man. And guess what happens? While he's having supper with this old man, there a message came to the same man that lied. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, you but you have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your father's. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey um, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. Disobedience, the consequences. That man of God should have kept God's word in his heart. And obeyed him and not listen to another prophet who lied to him. 
And here we see God's providence, how he used a lion just to kill the man. You think you would go for the donkey first? Is an animal tastier than people? But no, God's providence, he's after that man. And he took his life. Who are we listening to? There are many men and women out there who claim to speak from God. Who are we listening to? Who do we believe? How do we distinguish between what is truly from God and what is truly false? How do we know if we're listening to God and not listening to a false person? Well, this morning I'm going to look at two things to help us. From 1 John chapter 4 to see if we are listening to God. And it's important we listen to God. And the only way we can listen to God, if we're in God's Word, spending time with God, getting to know His Word, so that we can listen. Like I've always said, when you study money, and there's counterfeit money out there, you don't study the counterfeit notes. You study the real notes. So when the counterfeit note comes along, you can already tell the difference. We don't have to always go study all the other religions out there. We just study the book of the truth and study God's word. We will pick up straight away because God has given us his spirit and discernment. So the first truth that we need to know, or the first thing to help us to see if we are listening to God is, do we test the spirits? Do we test the spirits? And we read this in verses 1 to 3 of 1 John chapter 4. These verses are so important because it's a great exhortation to not believe every spirit. But test them. And this is the spirit in man. It could be of demons, angels, etc. But we test the spirit. We are made up of body and spirit. And spirit and soul and heart are used interchangeably. I think the big word is dichotomy. I'm a dichotomist, meaning I believe in body and spirit. A trichotomist would believe in body, soul, and spirit as the third one. But I believe soul and spirit and heart are used interchangeably in the Bible. So it's body and spirit. And we need to test the spirit in the person. We are commanded here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because not every spirit is from God. Not every person that talks about God is actually from the real, true, living God. And when people claim to speak and act from God, it's our responsibility to test the spirits. I love the way... John addresses his audience here, his readers, beloved. Or some translations would say, dear children. He's getting their attention by being affectionate. Beloved, I've got something important to tell you. Have I got your attention, my children, my dear children? Because what I want to tell you now is important. Because this is what I'm telling you. Do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And we know from this letter, there is so much false teaching going on. It's alright to practice sin. You're saved. You can do and live as you please. But John says, no. If you save, you practice righteousness. You walk in the light. You love your father. And you love your brother. What are the three tests to this book? There's the doctrinal test. 
Do we believe that Jesus is the Christ? There's the social test. What's the social test? That is to do with loving one another. And then there is the moral test. Are you obeying God's word? And this is what John's trying to, he's trying to help his, his readers get back on track. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Then this is how you live. You walk in the light. You walk in righteousness. No one's perfect. I'm not perfect. We all sin, but we have a great God who we can go to and confess our sin to, and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But that's not an excuse to cop out and just keep sinning, because you've got to be careful. What Paul said in Galatians, if you practice sin, you may not inherit eternal life. You know if you're practicing sin. You know if you're really trying to allow God's word to sanctify and cleanse you and purify you so you can be holy like he is holy. God has called us to an extremely high standard and he knows we never get there. We just keep failing. We keep missing the mark. But we have to keep on trusting God and keep looking to him and keep confessing our sin. We mustn't become like Hamanias and Alexander because they rejected the faith. They became shipwrecked of their faith, among whom are Hamanias and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. When, speak of, when people speak of God, but they don't belong to God, they actually blaspheme. And guys, what does he say here in this letter? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Where have they gone out from? The church. They were once in the church. They're not out there. They were in the church, singing like we were singing, listening to the sermon, and, and praying. But like Hamanias and Alexander, they became shipwrecked. They loved the world better than loving the Father. And there are many false prophets and teachers out there who were in the church once, now out there teaching error. They teach about God, and when we come into contact with them and we talk with them and we're not sure what they're saying at times, what they're speaking about, like someone might start speaking about how oh, we live in this fallen world. Eh? But, and they're talking about how God is great, He created this world, but this world is fallen, it's, it's broken. And you know, if we just change our environment, we would have better people. They don't mention sin. They just mention environment. If we just lived in a better environment, in a better place, everybody would be good. But we know there's no such good person. Sin is the cause of all our problems. Sin is the cause of the war in the Ukraine. We the problem. You can have a beautiful Robertson, but put people in it, that's it. That's why you'll never have a perfect church. You want a perfect church? Go home, guys. I'll preach alone. But no, it's not like that. We're the problem. And we need to test these spirits. When they talk to us, we need to test them. Because they are speaking in the name of God. What does it mean to speak in the name of God? Well, they proclaim to know God. And if we as Christians proclaim to know God, who lives in us? The Holy Spirit. And we are a temple of the living God. And Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. For you were bought with a price to so glorify God in your body. As Christians, we 
when we talk in the name of God, we are talking like we are God living in us. God is part of our whole being. We're not little gods running around. No. We are fallen human beings, but the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we now glorify God in our body. Because I'm not talking about people come to you and say, God has told me this or God has told me that. It's a different thing to test. I'm talking about you having a conversation with someone and you say God and he mentions God. And it happened during the week. I was talking to a man. And we're having a good conversation. All he was talking about God, this, this, this. But he never once mentioned Jesus or the Christ or nothing. So I said to him, isn't it amazing that we, if we know the same God, that he is Christ, the Messiah? And do you believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and life? No one only comes to the true living God through him. And I asked him, do you believe that? And he said, yes, great. But if he had said no, then we're not, we're not on the same page. If you're a Christian and you're in a shop or somewhere and you're talking to someone and they start talking to you about God and you're thinking, I wonder if this person is a Christian. Taste them. Ask them lovingly, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? And if they say no, then that's it. They're not of the true living God. You, you don't have to be so blatant, but you can ask them something about Jesus. Isn't it amazing that Jesus came as fully man or truly man and truly God? Because now he can sympathize with us. He knows our weaknesses. Now, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about, Mark. I believe Jesus was a good man, but not God. I believe he was a unique man, this great teacher, but not God, not the Christ. Sorry, we're not on the same page. He's talking through a false God. We need to test the spirits. And this is what we need to do. We need to test them. Jesus said to his disciples, pay attention to what you hear. Do we pay attention to what we hear coming out of people's mouths? Are we like the Bereans? When Luke wrote to, 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 in Acts, he said, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Paul and Silas, what they were teaching. Is it so? They were testing the spirits. We need to, because we will come across people. And, and, and same thing, when you come across these, these great teachers and speakers, we're not listening to see how impressive they are and how, and how attractive their message is. Are you listening to see if they stay true to God's word, to Jesus and his word, his teachings? We need to know that we are called to test the spirits. And what has God given us to test the spirits? Discernment. There's a quote in your bulletin. It's a lovely quote by this man of God. He said, When a church loses its will to discern between sound doctrine and error, between good and evil, between truth and lies, the church is doomed. And we are beginning to become more doomed in the church because we don't read our Bibles and we don't test the spirits. We don't have discernment. What amazes me, and, and I've heard some really, really big 
men, when I say big men, men that have been on a platform, have spoken to hundreds and thousands of people, and when they've said this, doctrine does not matter. How can we say doctrine does not matter? You read Timothy, it's about doctrine. You read Titus, chapter 1, verse 9. I want you to elect elders who can teach sound doctrine, healthy teaching that comes from the apostolic teaching, from the apostles and the foundation, the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. But how can we say that doctrine does not matter? If doctrine does not matter, then how do we test the spirits? We're just going to go around being gullible, naive, lovey-lovey, and yes, that man's a Christian. He spoke about God and he mentioned God from his lips. And Paul's not even, I mean, John's not even speaking about people that say they know Jesus and they live a different life. We're going to see that test, Lord willing, soon. But loving and caring. But yeah, he's talking, there is a, like a doctrinal test. Because look what he says in verse 2 of 1 John chapter 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. There is a doctrinal test. Doctrine does matter. He's told him. If you want to test the spirit, well then every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ, those two words are important, not just Jesus. Jesus Christ telling you Jesus is the Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. Because a lot of people say there was Jesus, he only came in um, as a man, or they're saying Jesus was a spiritual being. He couldn't have mixed with flesh and spiritual because flesh is tainted with sin. God is pure. He couldn't have that. That was Gnosticism, I think. So how do you test the Spirit? How do you... Well, John has told us in verse 2, there's content. The first thing is that you've got to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed Messiah. You need to... When people talk to you about God, you ask them nicely. Hey, Jack, you're talking about God so much. Do you believe in Jesus, the Son of God? The Messiah, the Christ? And Jack might say, no, he's just a unique man. I don't believe he's the Christ or God. Or what about the other one? That Jesus came in the flesh, he's from God. He's come in the flesh, he's from God. That is another test. Jack, do you believe that Jesus was truly man and truly God? No, I don't believe he was truly man. I believe he was just a spiritual being. Or might be the other way around. I don't believe he was God, but I believe he was just a prophet, a unique teacher, a great man, a good man, a morally upright man. But as soon as people say that, well then we'll see they're not of God. It's so important. Because scripture tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And verse 14 of John's Gospel, John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Scripture tells us that Jesus was truly man. He's the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So doctrine does matter. We need to know that there is there is good theology and there is theology in error. There is sound doctrine and there is not so sound doctrine. 
The word sound, when you take it from the Greek to English, it's actually where we get our word hygienic, healthy. Healthy doctrine, healthy teaching. So we have sound doctrine, we have healthy teaching. Why is it healthy? Because it's good for our spirit. It builds us up in Christ. It makes us godly people. Imagine if God just gave us a word and we didn't know what was in the scriptures and what was happening, what these words meant. We would just continue doing as we please. But he's given us his spirit. He's put the Holy Spirit in us to help us. But John says this in verse 3 of 1 John chapter 4. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Yes, there is an Antichrist that's coming at the end. But he's here already. The Antichrist is anybody that is anti-Christ. The world is kind of anti-Christ. They're not interested in Christ Jesus and his teachings. But yeah, these people were once in the church. They believed in Jesus. But now they're anti-Jesus. They're anti-Christ and his teachings. And if we don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, and if we don't believe that he came in the flesh and is from God his Father, then we deny salvation. Because Jesus had to be truly man, fully man, to be the perfect sacrifice, to shed his blood on the cross for forgiveness of sins. Because we know the animal sacrifice, and when you took an animal, if it was a goat, if it was a sheep or a lamb, it had to be one that was without blemish, perfect. You couldn't take one that had a broken leg or that was diseased. You had to bring your best and then the blood was sacrificed and shed for forgiveness of sins. It was sprinkled on the mercy seat as well. So if we deny Jesus as the Christ, we deny salvation. Listen to what Scripture tells us. We always go back to Scripture to help us speak the truth and to know the truth. Acts 2.36 says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. There Jesus is the Christ. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that man is Jesus. He's our Lord and Saviour. Do we respect Him? And if we respect Him, we will listen to Him and we will test the spirits. That's not easy. Because there are times when you might be verbally persecuted. You might be called an arrogant person. How can you say Jesus is the way and the truth and life? No one comes to the Father but through Him. Who gives you that right to say it? God's Word. Let them go back and argue with God. You're doing your faithful witnessing work. Being a faithful witness as you testify the spirits. Because John, in verses 1 to 3, he wants us, God's people, to see what God sees. There's the visible church that we all see. We hear this morning, that's the visible church. But there's the invisible church that only God sees. And God looks at the heart. And God is helping us to expose the heart to see what He sees. Isn't that amazing? He wants us to expose these false teachers, these false Christians. 
But we need to do it in love. We're very critical at times. We, we can elevate and puff ourselves up and say, oh look, we're not like them. We can act like the self-righteous Pharisees who look down on man. But, but John wants us to do it in love. And just like Paul when he writes to, to Timothy and he says to Timothy, he says here, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. We need to do this in love and kindness when we, when we test someone. And you will come across people that they will talk about God like, wow, these guys really know God, but as soon as you test them. But do it in gentleness. Do it in love. Because if they're, if they're a spirit of error, a spirit of the Antichrist, then you can try to love them by pointing them to the truth. It's not always going to be easy. Because we're always the ones that are looked down upon that have the truth. And that's what the war is going on out there at the moment with transgender, homosexuality and everything. It's these politicians, they go to the liberal churches and they ask the liberal churches, what do you think of homosexuality? What do you think of transgender? It's fine, God's a God of love. But then what's wrong with this church here? Why do they say something different? Why do they say what they say about homosexuality and transgender? Why aren't they on the same page as you guys? See, these guys are liberals. They've distorted the scriptures. Where we know from scripture, those who practice such things will not inherit eternal life. But you don't discard them. Again, you love them. And you meet with them and you have coffee. And you see how you can help them to be released from the capture of Satan and doing his will. But going back to this passage, we won't look at number two. Lord willing, we'll look at the second one in, in, in two weeks' time. But the second one is also important. But are we allowing God's word to, to sanctify us, cleanse us, grow our discernment so that we can test the spirit? Are we challenged this morning by this first thing that we need to do, and that is test the spirits? Are we testing the spirits as we come across people that speak of God? And they could be loving, caring, lovely people. A lot of them rely on their personality. And that's all they have. It's not godliness. And then when you test them, then you, and they say, no, we don't believe in this Jesus. But we believe there's a God. He's a big man upstairs. He's an intelligent man. He's a higher being. And they use all these other spiritual languages. Are we going to walk away and go out that door and be challenged to start testing the spirits as we listen to people, as they talk to us in the name of God? That's blasphemy when people talk about God and they're not speaking the truth but error because of what they disbelieve. And we're reminded that Christ Jesus died on the cross we always go back to the cross where we're humbled and realize, wait, for me to be a Christian and to speak the truth and to have the spirit of truth living in me, 
It cost someone his life. Jesus died on the cross for me. He's the one that, that died and took my sins upon himself, paid the penalty, took all my unrighteousness and put it on him. And when I believe his, unrighteous, his righteousness comes on to me, and now I'm called to walk in truth. He has brought me to the Father. He has reconciled me to the Father to speak the truth in love, to, to worship in spirit and truth, to go out there and, and live in truth. But the most beautiful thing is when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He comes to live in us. Our bodies are a temple of God. And everything we do, we do in the name of God. Everything we say, we say in the name of God because our bodies are a temple of God. We either glorify God in our bodies or we make a mess. And if we make a mess, we ask God to forgive us. But we can't just live making a mess. We have to live in the truth. And if we are listening to God, we know we are listening to God if we are testing the spirits. And Lord willing, in two weeks' time, we'll be able to look at the second one, is that do we walk by the spirit of truth? A lot of people have different ways how you walk by the spirit of truth. But we come back to the scriptures and we see what God means by walking by the spirit of truth. Let's pray. Father, we, we just thank you for your word. And your word is there to test us, to humble us. None of us can be here this morning to say we're a perfect Christian. Father, forgive us. For we do stumble. We do sometimes act in unbelief. We're unfaithful. Have mercy upon us and give us the, the boldness and the courage to, to grow like Joshua, who was reminded a few times to be strong and courageous, so we can test the spirits, that we can help people to see that what they say about God is not true and is not coming from the true God. Father, help us to be more loving in our, in our confrontational approach, which is done in love. Father, please forgive us. Be merciful to us. Like that person said in the, in the quote, when a church loses its will to discern between sound doctrine and error, when good and evil, between truth and lies, the church is doomed. And are we living in a time when all our churches, including this one, is doomed because we don't test the spirits? Father, have mercy upon us, please. Forgive us. And when we sing Amazing Grace, may we reminded that it is Amazing Grace. We don't deserve anything. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ and we're not our own. We live for Him and help us to live for Him, Father, by testing the spirits. And if we are, we are listening to Your Word and to You alone. Pray and ask this all in Jesus Christ. Amen.